stay tuned to Vinyl Community Podcasts. Buddies, welcome back to Vinyl Community Podcasts. This is one, the only concert buddy coming back with another conversation that put off, but I shouldn't have been putting it off. But I want to, I want to get my chops. I want to get my reps. I want to be like Drago and, and Apollo to make sure that I, that I had the interview skills to pay the bills. And that's because I'm talking to a good friend of the program, good friend outside of uh, YouTube, Billy Hurst, owner of Riverbend Records. Billy, welcome to the pod. Thanks for having me. Long, long time, you know, but uh, I've been I've been watching and I've been taking notes and I've been uh, shooting texts back. And you've been training too. You've been telling me, but you've been getting ready. This is, I mean, this is literally Apollo and Rocky all over again. It's coming. We only thing missing is we need those those tankinis that they wore on the beach, and nobody wants to see that. <laughs> right. Exactly, exactly. Now I'm, I'm I'm happy to be here, man. I, I really do enjoy the podcast. Awesome. Well, thank you, sir. So let's talk about, um, you know, usually, uh, you know, when I cherry pick these contestants, these guests, um, it's because I've, I've learned about them through the, I mean, air quotes, vinyl community through YouTube. And again, I'm going to preface this by saying the vinyl community is much more expansive than YouTube. But Billy's channel was one of the ones when I was kind of a creeper behind the scenes, just watching, getting tips, tactics, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Billy's channel originally was under his name, Billy Hurst, and um, I learned a lot. And actually, I think, Billy, I'm telling on myself here, you're probably the first person I actually met in real life, air quotes, uh, at, at our local record show. I think I came up to you and I'm like, hey, I know you from the YouTube and hey, I'm sure you've gotten it before. I'm sure it, it doesn't oh, cross yeah. memory, but but I was like, hey, I like what you do and, and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I remember that was at the St. Louis record show a handful of years back. Yeah, that was... Uh, uh, that's, that's been a minute, but, uh, no, I, <laughs> I, I didn't get it as often when it was just my Billy Hearst channel, but, uh, since opening the shop, uh, yeah, we, we do get it a lot more, you know, awesome. get it even a lot more if I've made more frequent videos, <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get it all. I'll get into the shop yeah. we'll the videos and stuff, but, uh, walk me through, I mean, how long, uh, had you, well, first of all, when you make the choice to start doing the videos in the first place. What was the inspiration, the motivation, the consternation, anything ends a nation to doing that? Because, you know, like, is it a labor of love? Is it like, I just want to, you know, talk about records. I've seen other people do it. Take us through that. Totally. So my channel actually started out in like 2010-ish. Um, and it was a music channel. It just was an outlet for me to pick up my guitar, play a song, and put it out to the world. Um, and I, I did that for probably five years or so, uh, four or five years. I, I don't think I made my first uh, vinyl community video um, until around 2015 or so. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, yeah, I just started out making music videos and uh, uh, the whole the whole record thing, I, I like you and probably a lot of people because I get messages, I'm sure you get messages. Um, anybody that make is a content creator on YouTube more than likely gets messages from people like, hey, I really love what you do. I've been watching forever. Um, you know, what, what kind of suggestions or recommendations or advice would you have for me to do it? I did that. I mean, I watched guys like Brandon, Mr. Hall of Fame. Uh, when I started watching, there were only like six or eight or ten guys talking about records. You had to really look for content on records. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you, you're familiar with um, LJ, Biosite One. 
Uh, what a great channel. He hasn't made videos in probably 10 years. Mm. Uh, but that that was my one of my favorite channels, if not my favorite channel. And I just started watching those uh, those videos, um, people making content, uh, talking about records. And it was basically adult show and tell at the time. Sure. You know? uh, and that's how I started. I reached out to LJ. I, I hadn't met Brandon yet. I don't believe um, when I know when I first started making uh, making uh, vinyl community uh, videos, I did not know anybody. I reached out to LJ Biosite one um, and asked him and he was very gracious. Uh, and he's like, just, just do it, man. You know, you, I've watched a couple of your videos. You seem like a personable guy talking to you through email. Just, just get out there. And have fun, you know, let it rip. And man, those first videos were just terrible. We all, <laughs> we all have those videos. And then of course it wasn't too long that I, I befriended uh, Brandon, Mr. Hall of Fame. Uh, he, he'd been making videos forever. I mean, he's one of the like godfathers of the vinyl community, which, you know, yeah. you've, you got, you're really good friends with Brandon as well. Um, <clears throat> I think I we connected through a video I saw that he was in a loft, and I'm like, that looks really familiar, you know? I'm like, are you, are you in St. Louis by any chance? And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm in St. Louis. So we connected, and, you know, the rest is history. We're great, great friends right now. Yeah. yeah, no, brand's one of the best. Um, so now, so so where you started to where the vinyl community, again, air quotes is now, do you feel like the vinyl community on YouTube in particular, um, has it moved the hobby forward? Has it uh, become a, you know, I'm, 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 this is my words, not yours. Yes. Has it has a minefield of drama? Like what's your impressions of where it was and where it is right now? Oh, certainly. I mean, like I said, I, I wouldn't ever claim to say I was there from the beginning, but I've watched videos from the beginning, from the inception, when it was literally four guys or six guys talking about records. And um, it, I'd say it when I got in there, you could probably maybe maybe a couple hundred people. I mean, you you, you literally knew everybody. It was like small town mentality. Everybody mm -hmm. knew everybody. You know, your kids act up over at your house. You, you got permission to take care of them, you know? I hope nobody took the belt today, Billy. That'd be unfortunate. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was a very, very small community. Sure. Um, very little drama. Very little drama. Then as it grew, as with any community, you know, you get very conflicting personalities and whatever. Um, to answer your question, the long and short of it is, I think what uh, the vinyl community has turned into is great. Uh, the more people talking about records and collecting records and, uh, you know, showing off what they've got, talking about what they're looking for, what are your ultimate grails, people sending VCLT in the mail. Um, <clears throat> I think it's awesome. You know, uh, I, I got out of it. I think it was a much more pure platform whenever I was involved, like uh, as a on a personal level, not a business level. Um, but I think, I think what it has turned into, there's, there's something for everybody. Let's just put it that way. You know, if you, if you want, um, if you want adult show and tell guys, just, you know, with zero training whatsoever, you know, I keep saying guys, but you got guys or girls talking about records. Uh, you know, you'll find it, but if you want Jerry Springer, you can, you can get that. <laughs> No, you hit it around the head. I think it's the evolution of any community. And I know 
back in the day when I was a younger pup, I mean, I saw this in the uh, message boards, right? Like your local, like St. Louis Post Dispatch, um, or, or any kind of social media platform, any any platform that offers people a voice and a connection point. And as it gets bigger, you hit it around the head. Is there's more personalities, there's more opinions, there's more points of view. Um, I will say from my seat, and I think you'll probably agree with this. One thing about the community that's been great is that there's a lot more information share. No, you know, it used to be like you said, show and tell, and maybe some tips here and there. But like, especially with some of this QC stuff, which you and I have talked about privately, you know, people are are quick to quick to share information and be like, "Hey, I got this newest X, and did yours arrive in a bad mailer or split?" You know, so I think that's invaluable because I do think these labels and some of these companies do listen. They, they do have their, yeah. their ear, maybe not their finger on the pulse, but at least they have perception and case in point, right? Like that new Interscope subscription service that they did. They, they started with Dr. Dre, the chronic, um, for it, it fell flat. You know, the packaging was bad, uh, no replacements, all that stuff. That's a whole nother diatribe. Right. Second one just came out. I just got it. Changed the mailer. They used the bags on a limited tear strip. Um, looked, you know, it feels like a thicker jacket. So yeah, to me, those are the things that are invaluable, right? You know, you just you, you hit it on the head. They, while they may not have their finger on the pulse, if there's somebody listening somewhere, they're at least um, reacting or responding uh, appropriately. Some of them are. Um, I, we still haven't got any response to the to the Van Halen uh, to uh, foreign lawful carnal knowledge fiasco that everyone mm-hmm. is aware of. That Rhino has, I'm, and I'm, I'm actually working on making a video of that, uh, a video response. Uh, that is basically going to just detail my response that I got back from from Rhino, um, saying that there's not a problem with that. That's how it was intended to be. That's how it was recorded. It doesn't make it. I, I said that you have to have somebody take ten. If somebody took ten minutes of their time to listen to this, just just listen to four unlawful carnal knowledge. Put it on. Just listen to three three one four and uh or three three sixteen. Sorry, three one four. St. Louis. <laughs> I've got got St. Louis on the brain. Listen to three sixteen. And you really don't even have to listen to the whole track. Put it on. You'll know within 30 seconds that there is a problem. And you will not be sitting here telling me otherwise. Sure, sure. But, you know, who knows where that's going to end up. But, but you're right. They're, they're definitely listening uh, because they did change their packaging uh, with the second round of the Rhino uh, audiophile series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got a lot of heat for that first because that Cars record, which is great. Yeah. They- yeah. Praise. I'm gonna give them praise, but the packaging was hot trash, and they've improved it. The customer service still not great. I mean, you know, you might you might as well just yell out your window. You'll probably have a better chance of hearing back from somebody than trying to email them. But right, I think I think I hate the word influencers, but um, this, the vinyl community has a handful, more than a handful of quote unquote influencers at this point, and whether they're listening to the rest of us. They're certainly listening to those what those influencers have to say. That's true. That's a good point. Uh, let's talk about your collecting journey. Um, you know, was there a moment that you remember that first CD or tape or, or, or vinyl or um, you know, talk about that? And then obviously in this air quotes again, I, we should have a drinking game. Anytime we do air quotes, somebody got a drink. Um, but when uh, you know the vinyl resurgence, right? So talk talk about like how it started for you, and then like now being in the middle. Obviously, this will be a great segue to talking about open and store. But uh, yeah. take, me through, take me through that walk. So it all started. I, I was I was a, a, a grew up in a musical family. Uh, my my parents encouraged uh, music. It, it was always around. I started out with eight tracks as like a four year old, um, and, and I've been through every format. You know, 
eight tracks, reel to reels, cassettes, CDs, and vinyl, all of it, and then back again, and then back again. It's all cyclical, you know. But yep. I don't know that eight tracks will ever come back in a, in a mainstream sort of way. But I love them. I have over two thousand of them in my collection, and uh, they're just a pain in the butt. You know, but I started out uh, with parents who had a record collection and they encouraged me, uh, taught me how to um, take care of the records, how to put a record on a turntable, how to put the needle on. You know, we didn't have any automatic. It was all just put it on, drop the needle, let it go, return it. And then they taught, also taught me how to care for the records, put it back in, put it in a sleeve, put it away. Don't leave anything out. But they encouraged me as, as opposed to keeping me away from it. Don't touch this, you know, to, this is my, this is ours. This is for the adults, you know? Um, and I, and I think that was great. And then I, of course I had my first little Mickey mouse turntable. It wasn't a Mickey mouse turntable. But it was, a, <laughs> you know, in the grand, I know, exactly, like a Fisher price, like that character. Yeah. Something that's just a, a beginning, beginning. Yeah. It's all been a Mickey mouse turntable, you know, when I was a kid, but I always collected, even, even at the time, after I'd advanced and say, let's say graduated to uh, cassettes and then CDs, I always would keep buying records, uh, whether it was 25 cent yard sale records, which most of the time it was. Even in the 90s, when I was going into record stores, um, I would be spending 25, 30, 35 dollars on uh, CDs because I was into the imports, man. You know, mm -hmm. get, get those Danzig and Metallica and Megadeth and uh, Pantera, uh, all all the metal imports that would come in because they had the cool bonus tracks or, or things like that. So while I'd be paying that for CDs, I was literally buying, building a rock and roll collection, a classic rock collection of albums, digging through these dark, dank dungeons in the back room uh, for you know, a quarter a piece or five or six for a dollar. You know, I'm talking, you know, all, all my Sammy Hagar, Bob Seeger, uh, Leonard Skinner, Loverboy, Quiet Riot. I mean, all that stuff, the, the classics, Ted Nugent, Boston, um, pretty much my whole rock and roll collection at the time was built on cheap stuff. Uh, and then even as I got older, I can, I can remember going to, uh, uh, music land here in town in the mall in 93, Whenever uh, Kiss Alive 3, uh, 92, 93, when Alive 3 and Revenge came out, I was going up there. I bought the CDs to listen to in the car, but I also bought the vinyl. They'd have the vinyl. And even though I really wasn't listening to it, I was still collecting it, you know, mm -hmm. um, huge Kiss fan. So I think Kiss actually kept me involved in vinyl um, for quite some time because they pressed vinyl. I want to say up until like you wanted the best, you got the best until like 97, they were consistently pressing vinyl when everybody else had long dropped off. Mm. <clears throat> is it, is it safe to say, um, you know, one thing that I've, I've noticed a common thread of collectors is back in, in, I would say childhood, but in earlier days you collected something else, right? Like right. was it always music oh, for yeah. you, or did you do trading cards or action figures? Tell it was that. everything. I, I mean, I have a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a, uh, an addictive personality, I guess you would call it. Uh, mm -hmm. Not necessarily a hoarder, you know. I I, I don't mind getting uh, hoarders don't ever get rid of anything. I, I I tend to get rid of stuff and get something new, you know. Find a different habit to hook latch on to, you know. Uh, but no, I was I was that baseball card kid whenever uh, whenever I was growing up, uh, as well as uh, I, I didn't really ever I never looked at myself as a uh, music collector. Until about 10 years ago, to be honest with you, 10 or 12 years ago, I was just a, a music lover. Um, but I can actually safely 
consider myself a music collector as of like 2015, you know, 2014, something like that. Like I said, around 10 years ago, uh, it really kicked it into another gear. Uh, but yeah, uh, baseball cards and uh, yeah, I, I dabbled in comic books and things like that. But mostly, mostly baseball cards, sports cards. That uh, went during my time in Nashville. That's how I uh, I made my living. Was uh, I managed sports card and memorabilia shops for five or six years. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that was my first business when I opened up, uh, when I was 13, my mom and dad helped me open up a card shop. So I had my own card shop until not, the flood of 93 came through and wiped out the building we were in. And, and then, uh, I picked up a guitar and started playing music and the rest is kind of history. I ended up going to Nashville and yeah, all that stuff. Billy, I'm jealous because when I was a kid, that was in my little small town, I had that, those illusions of grandeur. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to open a card shop. Right, this this wrecked building. It would have failed because there's no way out in Cedar Hill, Missouri, going to trading cards. But I, but just like that, so I, that's awesome that your folks helped. Oh yeah, 1989, man. 1989, Upper Deck came out, and we had, we had all that stuff. I mean, that's when that's really when it started for me. The Billy Ripken, you oh, know, sure, the Flair '89 or yeah, the Griff '89. Yeah, 14, 15 years old. I, I just turned 15, January of '89. We opened the shop and. Here's the Billy Ripken card, you know? Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool. I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, I think uh, Mike Esposito has, you know, at the Ingroove, has a uh, background in sports cards and, and memory. Yeah, about right. Yeah, yeah. It's funny now looking back to diverge on the, the sports card thing for a second. The, uh, you know, now looking back, knowing what we know now, I'm sure you've heard of all the things of like upper deck holding back the sheets of Griffey rookies and all that. Like, and, and at the time you're like, oh man, you know, like th- th- this is going to set me for life as a kid. Right. And then, and then you come find out it was Matt, like the comic book is the same thing, mass produced. And it's, yeah, it's, it's oh, yeah. a little bit different than vinyl. It doesn't really seem to, hold, at least from that area of the card. Now cards are a whole lot different, but they didn't hold their value as well as some of the records we're finding. Well, if it weren't for grading, grading saved the trading card industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've discussed this in private as well. I think to a degree, it, it won't necessarily save it, but it will definitely launch this industry into, I'm, I'm thinking, I believe in, and me and, and Mike Esposito have talked about this before. Um, we Five years ago, I said, it's just a matter of time before they start slabbing records. Everybody's like, you're crazy. You, you won't be able to listen to it again. I'm like, well, you can't read a comic. And there's, they've been slabbing comics for years. You just you read it digitally. I do love the fact that uh, the advancements that they're taking, um, being able to uh, digitize, you know, you get a scan, like when you get your record slab, you, they, have, they offer the service that you can actually have a digital version, a high-resolution, lossless digital version of that exact record. Uh, it's a barcode on there. You scan it. So, yes, you can listen to it. That record, that, that exact record that is slapped. So I think uh, we have a long way to go, but it's, sure. good to see, it's good to see that they're getting the ball rolling. Somebody's taking the bull by the horns. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting conversation, and, and and some of the feedback, you know, talking about the when I talked to the guys from BMG, is um, they were very quick and out front and said like this isn't for everybody, but there there are people who are interested in that, and you know, I think it was very smart of them to lead with that because I have shocking vinyl community. I I did hear some very uh, pointed opinions on it, and respectfully, nobody was like you know I hate your guts for doing that, but um, but yeah, to your point, I think that anything that pulls the hobby forward. 
even if it's a sideways or however you want, it, it, directionally, I think is good grading. And again, we're not going to waste our time here on this. You know, I've talked no. about this, but the grading, the grading is, is such a, 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 a quagmire of inconsistency because nobody can even agree on what the, the set standard is. There's so much, uh, bastardization or making things up or making up your own terminologies that yeah. I don't know. I mean, plus, 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 pluses do we need? <laughs> but, but honestly, that, that is a, uh, that, that is a product of, it's a byproduct of a, a, something like Discogs or, or whoever that there's such a huge gap. There's yeah. such a, a, a step between VG plus and near mint. So what do you, what are people going to do? You're opening the door for them to add pluses, VG plus plus plus, or the gold mine standard is an excellent. It, it falls in between right. those two, and I think we 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 use that. We incorporate the excellent grade um, because I, there's far too much of a gap, in my personal opinion, uh, between VG plus and near mint. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I, I think back again, put it on the trading card thing, like when Beckett pricing guide. At least there was people, and and I and again, this isn't to beat up on Discogs, but you're exactly right. Somebody needs to like be the tip of the spear and setting some degree of standardization. I don't know if it's going to be the BMG guys. That's something we talked about in our talk, but somebody does. And that's, you're exactly right. Discogs is dropping the proverbial ball there because they are, they are setting the market in a lot of ways, pricing, availability, a marketplace, all that stuff. So I'm the same so way did back in the day with, with trading cards. You're exactly right. Um, to, to their credit, um, they, they're really working very hard behind the scenes. Uh, I, as a matter of fact, uh, I don't know if you logged in to Discogs recently. Within I saw the email from the CEO, and, yeah. And, and I think from what I can read into that, it sounds like changes are coming and in, in that uh, positive direction. I hope so. I mean, I, uh, I'm, I'm a natural pessimist, so I got to lead with that. But um, I do appreciate from a messaging perspective, acknowledging it now. And, and we talked about this, too, going back to Record Store Day, the amount of fraud and, yes. you know, the, the, just the, the lack of oversight is, is a real challenge. And it sounds like they, they know of it. I mean, they are very out front. I think this is the second message since Spring Record Store Day. Uh, this one obviously had uh, CEO Kevin Samansky or whatever his name is on it but yes i mean anyway don't mean to talk about this guys let's talk no, about some it's 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 part of it we it, you know we we're all we're, we're collectors whether we like it or not and and the fact that there's somebody out there that is is influencing what we collect and how we collect and how how we move forward or move laterally uh that they're paying attention at least you know that that's good to know at least okay. i want I want to believe, you know, <laughs> Bill, you're more optimist than me. I'm starting to pick up on it. <laughs> hey, what, what are you, what are you going to go through life? There's, there's too many doom and gloom guys out there. I, I, That's I right. The market's corner on those and we know a few of them, but we won't go there. Um, so let's talk about the fun stuff and the, and the, and the reason I wanted to have you on the pod. One of the big reasons uh, is that you have done the, done what a lot of us, hardcore collectors have thought about and flirted with and that's opening your own store riverbend records and so um now you've been in business three three years three and a half years right so a little over three years yeah so i'd love to pick your brain about you know again a lot of us think it but you did it walk us through like putting pen to paper getting you know going to the bank all that kind of stuff and then and, and if you wouldn't mind like what are some of the the pitfalls or the challenges that maybe you didn't see because, you know, 
planning and preparation will get you so far, but until you're like in the weeds, I'm sure there are some things that popped up. So early days and, and, and those first like weeks, months, years, tell us about it. Well, in order to, to tell the story of Riverbend Records, I got to take a second, at least let, let fill you in on, on what I was doing prior to this. Okay. Sure. That's cool. You know, Oh, of um, course. I was a, I'm a professional photographer by trade. Uh, right now, I still currently am employed by the St. Louis Cardinals. I'm a team photographer. I've been going into my 10th year. I started in 2014, so we're going into our my 10th year uh, personally, and it's a job that I thoroughly enjoy. But in 2010, um, I started uh, – we, my wife and I moved back here in, in 2000, late 2004, and a um, buddy of mine right out of high school started working uh, as a union uh, laborer, scaff, scaffold builder. Okay. And said, hey, we, if you need some work, I can, I can get you some work. And I had never done any, any like hands-on construction-type work. Went through the training, did everything, got certified, and – just got into the the uh, union laborers hall and and worked as a uh, w- with the scaffold builders as a laborer um, and it was a job that I thoroughly enjoyed and loved. Um, did that for six and a half years without missing a lick. Uh, one of the best jobs I, I've ever had. You know, I really did enjoy it. Then the housing market crashed in what you know between two thousand eight and two thousand ten. It was just, yep. the brakes went on, and I went from working. Uh, you know, five, six, sometimes seven days a week when we'd be on turnarounds or outages um, at power plants to working two days a week or sitting at home. And I'm like, this just sucks. You know, absolutely sucks. Sure. Employment pays better. And I didn't want to be that guy. You know, I drew unemployment for like six or eight weeks. And I'm like, this is not for me. I'm good. I don't see how people sit home uh, and, and watch daytime TV all the time. I would go crazy. There's uh, only so much Jerry Springer anybody should watch. I'm with you. 100%. So, as always, my wife and I put our heads together. What are we going to do? You fall back on uh, things that you've already got, skills that you already had. And one of the skills that I had is with a camera. You know, I was a, I was a photographer. And I said, well, let's start a uh, uh, youth, youth sports photography. Um, you know, I used to do portraits. And I thought, I love sports. I love photography. Let's meld, meld them two together. And we started uh, Front Row Photo in 2010. And we shot uh, all the, the youth sports, you know, from T-ball all the way up through high school and even some college stuff. Um, and that lasted until 2020. I mean, we had a very, very, very successful business doing that. Um, in addition to 2014, getting hired on with the Cardinals. So I was, I was doing both of, that, both of those things. And then in 2020, covid you know, global pandemic hits, mm-hmm. and, and there is L- Illinois. You know, you you're, you live right across the river. Illinois is uh, it, it, it was pretty pretty rough on if you lived in in the IL, if you lived in the six one eight, it was tough. We did not have any uh, any youth sports, and oh, it got put on indefinitely for that year. So, I, I had always talked about opening a record store, uh, but it, it was going to be a retirement plan. You know. 10, 15 years down the road and certainly not on the level that, that we've done it at now, you know, mm-hmm. much, much uh, smaller scale. We were, we're going to do it, but two things happened, man. One, I was, I was forced into it. There was, there was, I had to do something. Riverman records was born out of necessity okay. uh, in the middle of a global pandemic. And um, 
I talked to my wife and she said, let's do it. My sister is a real estate agent. We looked at like 12 different locations uh, with anything. Anytime you start a business, it's location, location, location. And uh, I, I've always loved the location we're in, but I never in a million years would have thought it would have been available because it was black sporting goods for 40 years prior to it being Riverbend Records. And uh, they, they had no reason to leave until COVID hit. Oh, okay, interesting. Unfortunately, forced out of business after 40, for 42 years, um, the building became available. Uh, the stars aligned, so to speak. Uh, my, my sister put us, my wife and I, in touch with the owner of the building, uh, and we were able to purchase the building you know, from him. Um, you know, we, we were looking, I, I talked with Dylan at Noble Records a lot who at that point he's he's opened he opened up exactly a year before we did so he just celebrated his or no i think he opened up two years because he just celebrated his fifth year anniversary right i think it's i think it's fourth yeah 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 so he's a year he 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 celebrated a year before we did he opened a year before we did and and he was very vocal and very helpful in um hey if you can find a spot for this amount or less um here's some distributors that you can you can get help with um he he was he was amazing and it still is amazing he's a he's a great guy as i'm sure all of you guys know that have have watched his channel but uh we we found a spot and then it from finding the spot, it was about securing the financing. Uh, I had obviously had amassed a rather large collection over the 30 some odd years of collecting, 25, 30 years of collecting. Um, I was always buying collections even. It, even the last five or 10 years, I started really buying collections. And you can see if you go back and watch some of my early videos, you've probably seen them where I would show up, man, I just got this monster collection. And, uh, I, I would have a hard time getting rid of stuff. So I had seven or eight or 10 copies of Led Zeppelin records. And mm. so I had a built in inventory, you know, I just sacrificed about 30 to 40% of my personal collection. Let's, let's say 40% just to be safe and opened up the shop. The, the biggest challenge was opening up in the middle of a global pandemic. You know, everyone's safety comes first, not mm. only, and, but you guys as customers, your safety comes first. So we didn't want to cram, do like most record stores and cram everything in at once. So we started out in a big building. We have about a, a 3,300 square foot building. Um, and we started out with, uh, you know, kind of um, a skeleton system, you know, a, a couple, uh, a couple record shelves on each end. Our CDs and cassettes were in the same room. And obviously in the three years that we've been there, We've expanded quite a bit, yes. um, but it was uh, it it was it was a challenge. It was a real challenge. Once once we got the ball rolling, it's like, well, what are you going to call yourself? I come up with the stupidest names, man. I had my wife actually. Here's a here's a, uh, a fact, a little trivia Q and A here. Uh, uh, my wife actually came up with the name Riverbend Records. Uh, I'm sen- I'm sensing a, a really good hand, a good partner you got here because all all the key points of the story so far have involved your wife. So shout out to to Mrs. Billy on this one. Tara is the absolute best. You know, Mike has his angel. I have my Tara. You know, we are uh, we, we are two peas in a pod. Yeah, she came up with the name, and as soon as she said it, I knew that's it. I, I might as well not even think of anything else. The minute she said the name, I, I got on the logo. You know, the the design. How are we going to do it? And uh, yeah, I'm so I'm so glad she came up with that name because we would be called like 
Grand Slam records or some dumb shit. Like <laughs> Spin you later or something. Yeah, it's one of these really cheesy lines. Yeah, <laughs> having a baseball. I'm, I'm a natural baseball fan, football sports fan, sports fanatic. It would have been something stupid to try, try and tie in sports. In of practice. course, I guilty. I would have probably done something. <laughs> So that's the beginning of the store. So then as COVID's kind of relaxing a little bit, um, now you're now you're starting to get hopefully some positive momentum, but also some things maybe you didn't foresee, right? Like tell us about like the things that are important, particularly if like, I don't know, if this is the blueprint, somebody's listening to this and being like, here's somebody who's done it. Um, what are those things that you found important and vital to here three and a half years later and expanding, and we'll get into that in a second. Um, you know, a thriving, a thriving shop, my opinion. Well, you know, like you said, opening up in the middle of COVID that, that had presented so many different challenges that we just, uh, we, we took with a grain of salt. We took it all in stride. You know, we were all learning together, the customers as well as us, you know. Um, the, the question was, without getting into too much politics of it, you know, the politics of everything, it's like, do, do, we, do we have a mask mandate in our store or do we not have a mask mandate in our store? Um, we're all responsible adults mask up if you feel like you want to mask up we were masked up for your benefit if you don't feel like it i'm not gonna who am i to tell you to put on a mask sure so we had a very very loose policy there um was it the best policy i don't know we you know but it it worked for us and, and it worked for for our customers i mean hopefully we didn't alienate too many customers you know because you never want to do that um but you know, we learned as we went, we, and and everybody seemed to be fine with it. Um, but there are so many challenges when you open up a store. It's like um, the first challenge was was inventory. You know, what are you gonna what are you gonna do for inventory? Well, the first challenge is obviously finding finding a spot. We found that spot. Once we, once we found the spot, we had to str- literally. It, it was a sporting goods store for forty plus years. It was nasty. It was uh, now they had kept it clean, but it was. Hang on, this isn't like a locker room. There wasn't any jocks in the back or any of this kind of sweat socks. There, there, sure. I'm sure there were, bro. I'm sure there were. <laughs> <laughs> but literally, it was it was pegboard walls. Um, we 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 stripped it down to the studs and and the concrete and new carpet, new hardwood, new lights new uh, new walls all the while i don't know jack about construction i mean i, I built scaffold i helped guys build scaffold but i i don't use a circular saw and a tape i couldn't tell you what 12 and 5 eighths is you know well billy, <laughs> billy show your hands real quick because for the people who watch this you got all your fingers so you did something I, right i do uh but but i had a really good friend a couple really good friends uh brandon came over and helped out with the demo part of he's like girl i'll help you tear down but I, the, the the building part you need to leave to somebody else but i had a really good friend who uh him my, myself and him built that place out that you see as riverbend records today by ourselves in three months from june july well we we turned we closed I think we closed uh, June 30th or July 1st. Yeah, took possession July 1st. So July, August, September, we built it out. We opened in October. Um, so that was the that was a that was a challenge. Once you figure that out, that you, what kind of shelves are you going to have? Um, how many? How are you going to build the shelf? Where are you going to get your inventory from? I mean, so many 
obstacles and hurdles. And like I said, I'll be the first to admit, I had some great people in my corner. Dylan at Noble Records being one of them. He was a, a great companion to have. Um, there's a lot of great shops in this area. What, what would you say? We probably have a dozen shops in this area. You know, in the metro yeah, area. yeah, yeah. I would say, yeah, and I've told anybody this. I think the St. Louis metropolitan area, I'm just generalizing. Right. Some sneaky good stores. And, and, and you're hitting it right on the head because for the most part, uh, the fellowship and, and, and it, you know, there's not really a sense of, of comp- competition, maybe a little bit, but it's yeah. more of like, hey, what are you hearing? Exactly. I mean, you, you know more than I do, but just from a, co- a consumer lens, like I, I really do notice that, you know, there's a lot of uh, you know, sharing best practices and there's a lot of information to make the customer experience better. And that's ultimately, I think you would agree, what a super boy. important. Um, the, the more of us in this area, the better. I don't, I don't look at anybody as competition. Your only competition is yourself. You know that, uh, the, the second you start, uh, kind of, kind of, uh, basically adversarial about it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. If you're basing your success on somebody else's success or failure, it's you're going about it all wrong you know and i think there's so many great people and i can tell you for a fact when we started um i i I saved all the emails and all the the messages on instagram and and the 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 personal phone calls which i didn't get many because nobody really had my personal information but they would reach out through through email through the website through facebook through instagram um the the first was joe Sols over at uh at planet score you know he was the first guy to reach out welcome me to the community if there's anything we can do to help i mean that's the kind of neighbors you want you know they're 40 minutes away from me but they may as well have lived next door all mm-hmm. life because they were that nice and, and and that welcoming to me and then of course you get the guys the euclids and 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 uh, you know even vintage vinyl and and don over at the record space uh, the guys at rich's records here on our side of the river have been great for the most part everybody's been great and supportive yeah that's awesome um circling back to uh some of those uh let's call them potholes on yep. on the path to three and a half years uh what sticks out to you is something that Maybe it's a face palm, or maybe it's something that you would highly caution somebody who would, you know, potentially want to do this on their own um, to kind of be aware of. So two things I can think of right off the bat. Um, number one, when we talked about um, stocking your store, that's a huge hurdle. That is a giant hurdle. I had all the used inventory that I needed to get started. I didn't have to go out and spend uh, a whole lot of money stocking a. a, a 3,000 square foot store with used vinyl. However, um, I did need to figure out and and, and make a uh, pretty much a 180 degree turn real quick on what I was going to do with new vinyl. Because when we first started, my wife and I talked, we were not going to carry new vinyl. A huge commitment. It's a huge expense. And as it's no secret to you, but I know most people may not may or may not know but there is there's a razor thin margin a profit margin on new vinyl uh so you, you know what do you bring in what do you stock you, you make the wrong the wrong choice it it'll really cost you and you make the right choice you're not making a much money it, it's it's but it's a necessary evil that we found out real quick that you really need to have um so we had to really figure out uh, where we were going to get a lot of money real quick um and luckily, you know, we, we, we have 
had some avenues of, of pulling that together um and we opened up a couple accounts with the the se- secondary distributors um you know you can buy stuff direct you can buy stuff through distributors you know uh and that's uh, you might pay a dollar or two extra for the records but you don't have to order so many you know if you order direct from warner or umg you have a certain number that you have to hit per week minimum orders yep yep here yeah, you know, and those minimum orders are are a lot. They're significant and they're substantial, and we hit those numbers. Now we qualify to to be a direct with them, but there's certain times you don't want to be able to. You don't want to, you want to have that freedom of hey, I don't necessarily need twenty copies of this. You know, I'm, I might only need three or four copies of this. So that's the first thing is 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 stocking it with new inventory. Um, you, you can really go. You can you can really go off the deep end real quick. Secondly, um, record store day. Uh, it is a great great thing for independent shops, but it can also be a, a tremendous hindrance. And and some independent shops, even some of the best independent shops, um, I hate to keep bringing up other shops, but but Dylan at Noble Records, one of the best independent shops in the country. Um, mm-hmm does doesn't participate in what we know as is record store day he does his own thing he, he he says that for record store day we're going to do because we're here it's a celebration about independent record stores it's not necessarily a celebration to him about bringing in the quote unquote limited edition titles he's going to stock his store with some really killer use stuff mm-hmm. every day but he doesn't do it you know in the standard way the rest of us do and man my first record store day i went in just head first right into the deep end and you know we got to order every you every, went ham you went hard as a mother yeah yeah oh, yeah man, we gotta have every title and we need x amount of copies of this that and the, the other and uh at the end of the day we were stuck with a lot of that stuff uh. it's 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 tough because I love Record Store Day. You, you, you know, we we all love Record Store Day, and I, and I feel we do. We handle Record Store Day pretty well. I feel we yeah. do a good job. I feel we do a great job. Not not just to toot our own horn, but I feel we do an extremely great job on Record Store Day. But we've also learned over the course of three years um, where to pick and choose our battles and what to bring in and what not to bring in. That, that that's the hard part you know you, you gotta you gotta you take the good with the bad you can't have everything there's just no way yeah it sounds like i mean and and, and not to get into specifics but I, I think a lot of these these pitfalls and also the the, the things that you're talking about are important because you want to make a great impression you're excited and you're like oh man we got to prove because isn't there like a pre-approval process yeah. for rsd people and there's a time time constraint so with us opening up in october we couldn't we we didn't uh, meet the criteria to have black friday our first year which was unfortunate but so we did like we did like dylan did we we had just a great pre-owned drop loaded the shop up with some killer metal grails and things like that and uh, had a great day but we didn't have the record store day titles until the following april yeah dylan i i went to a shop a couple years ago and and Bar none. I mean, you're, you're, you're definitely nail on the head, like a well-curated shop, very, like very, very collector friendly, but also like mom and dad come in trying to get a record for their kid. Very helpful from that end. So, um, yeah, definitely, definitely a steward of the community, because like you said, I mean, he was doing his paths were interesting, too. He was doing the pop ups and then, you know, and absolutely it's his story to tell you. I'm sure he's told it many times on his channel, but but, it, but it's very similar to the plight of, you know, like what you're talking about is, you know, 
gosh, I think I think his story even talked about. I think they had like seven dollars left in the account yeah. that week, right? He had basically done the same thing. He, he had he had gotten out of work. He had lost his job, and Noble Records was born out of necessity, just like Riverbend was as well. Um, you know. You, desperate times you know a man will do, will do oh sure well and sometimes that's the kick in the pants you know what i mean because you know herman edwards the old football coach was a saying a, a a dream without a plan is a wish right and and fortunately or unfortunately however you want to look at it i mean this necessity you're talking about it's spot on that that sometimes is the push that keeps people from chasing their dreams or chasing greatness or changing you know the entrepreneur thing it sounds like you know because i knew about your work with the cardinals but talking about you know, I can, I'm picking up like an entrepreneurial spirit, especially when you told me the story about your folks helping me with the baseball card shop. Yeah. Um, do you feel that the entrepreneurial spirit is something that you really need if you're going to like take embark on this journey? Or is that just something that makes you makes you I'm going to say do it better, but I'm going to say it for you, do it better than maybe some other guys do it. It's not necessarily do it better, but I mean, you, whatever you, however you feel, um, it will definitely give you and a give you a, a little bit of leverage, a little bit of a uh, a positive, uh, yeah, a little bit of a, an advantage, so to speak. And and I got it naturally. It came from my parents and from my grandparents. My grandpa was an auctioneer a long, 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 long time ago. I was a kid, and then my mom owned a restaurant, and then I had the baseball card shop, and then I managed the sports and memorabilia stores when I was there, and then had my own business with Front Row Photos. So, yes, you you can't be afraid of a little bit of work if you're going to get into this. And uh, honestly, uh, I said a little bit, but I, I meant a lot. It's it's a lot of work. It's a lot of hours. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, you're, you're it's a lot of hours for very little or no pay because, you know, anytime you're a business owner and you've got employees you got to take care of them first they get paid before you get paid and some months unfortunately you, there's not anything left at the end of the day or the end of the month you know um it's uh it, it's a tough tough business but uh yeah i wouldn't uh i wouldn't necessarily steer anybody away from it but i would definitely say if you're going to do it be ready for that. Like I just said, you better be passionate you, with anything. I think if you go into it with passion, you you go into it with a, with a positive attitude uh, and a good personality. It will take you a long way. One thing I, I look at for when I when I want to hire somebody is I can teach you how to deal with records. I can teach you how to look at records. I can teach you how to grade records. I can teach you how to price records. Um, I can teach you how we inventory records, how, how we uh, put the stuff out. Uh, but I can't teach you personality and how to talk to people and how to communicate with people, how to be friendly with customers, how to welcome them when they come in. You know, personality is going to go a long way. I mean, you can come in with all the record knowledge in the world. And if you're, if you're, uh, you know, not not the kind of person that would jive with me yeah, yeah i'll have to show you the door unfortunately i would much rather hire somebody with a great personality well it's funny that you know there's that stereotypical record store owner and i mean i'm even thinking back of i've told this on the pod before but there's that guy the record collector out there in, in la who is my yeah. word a very, a very rough fella and but you know he's been successful right so yeah definitely personality and also that that customer first lens is something that you know Give me some flowers, Billy, because you guys do a good job of that. I mean, we've we've heard that it's it's been been passed down from ages. You know, the customer's always right, and my thing is, well, the, the customer's always right until they're not. You know, and and sometimes they're not right, but you can't 
you got to pick and choose your battles. You can't argue with, with the customer over silly little things. You know, it's just like, let's just agree to disagree and move on. You know, uh, in the, in the over three years that I've, I've had the shop, fortunately, I've only had to tell one person to turn around and get out because we just, I, I don't want the negative energy. It wasn't me. I want to be very clear. It wasn't me. <laughs> it wasn't you. Uh, and, and it was it my proudest moment. No, but, uh, you know, the, the guy come at me, negative energy, kind of kind of feeds on negative energy and as, as much as i try to be positive it could have been i could have been having a bad day that day you know we we, we all can't be uh sunshine and rainbows every day but uh yeah the, the whole thing i i don't get chance you you mentioned it about um you know the the proto the stereotypical record uh record store owner you know we we all see it that the the movies have kind of over dramatized it and things sure. like that where people are just hateful and judgmental and uh, I mean, pretentious. And it's like, no, we, we, and I still consider myself and yourself, uh, even though I, I own a store, I'm still a customer. I, I still shop at places. I still have options. And, and in this day and age, uh, you know, with, with the internet and, and everything else, we have endless options at our fingertips. Who wants to be treated like crap? Nobody who wants to walk up to the to the counter with a Fleetwood Mac record and be looked down their nose and ooh, Fleetwood Mac, you know, it's like, really? <laughs> I, was, I was like, cool, man, you know, <laughs> great, whatever. Because one thing I have found out is there is something for everybody in this. Uh, uh, you know, you asked earlier what kind of lessons I've learned throughout this whole thing. There is definitely something for everyone. Uh, point point uh, being somebody grabbed um, somebody digging through the discount bin. You know, every shop, I, I wouldn't say every shop, but I'm assuming most shops have a discount bin still, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, and we have our discount bin, which are like $1, $3 records down, down below. You got to crawl around on your hands and knees and get dirty, you know, gotta earn it. Yep. you, know, you got to earn it. Uh, but this guy came in and walked out with like 15 Pete fountain records and he was happy as a, as a lark. And it's like, I never thought I'd be able to give away those Pete fountain records. And he was happy to give me a dollar a piece for him, you know? So there's, there's definitely something for everybody, bro. Say, so, hey, listen, there's that saying, some people like some things and other people like other things. And, right. and there's nothing wrong with that. And, and the hardest thing for me to really, uh, um, figure out was not everyone is a collector like we are. Um, people, people ingest music differently. Sure. You know? I'm, we're both very passionate music fans, but we're also collectors. Let's let's make no bones about it. Yep. You know, and that was that was a hard thing for me to really really swallow at first. It's like, wait a second, not everybody's a collector because I, I, you know, we we instill the great every, every record on on the top shelf is is ultrasonically cleaned, put in a uh, a rice paper inner sleeve. They're priced. They're graded. You know, the, 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 the record and the sleeve is graded and then they're put into a resealable crystal clear outer sleeve. And while people appreciate that, I get people that just give me those sleeves back. They, they, they hate resealable sleeves or, you know, they, they'll, they'll tear off the set. They don't care. 
I, I shouldn't say they don't care. They don't care to the level that you and I care. Sure. I appreciate that. Well, uh, before we rounding third, I'm going to borrow a baseball analogy, rounding third. <laughs> here, but, um, you know, what kind of, I mean, what kind of aims do you have for the shop? I mean, do you, uh, and we've talked about this probably, so it's, it's no secret what I'm about to ask you, but um, you know, like your online presence, one thing you do a really great job of is, is your Facebook auctions. And the next one kind of up cheap plug for you is probably when this airs on the 18th, uh, you guys will be having one. All the information will be uh, in the show notes. I'm going to have it here on the banner uh, if, if you miss this and, and catch it later. But is, is that where your head's at? Is, is expanding your reach to not only your locals, because the locals are the life bread and, and they're the ones you got to keep those steady eddies coming in all the time, but giving getting Riverbend Records out there and then also making those touch points with a larger group. Is, is that where your head's at? It's definitely a, a goal. You know, it's a long-term goal, but it, it needs to be approached as a short-term uh, attack or a short-term approach. I need to really start implementing little things now, like you, like the Facebook auctions that we've been doing, the, the live sales. We call them auctions, but it's a really live sale because yeah. sometimes we don't implement the auction part of the sale. It's just a sale. Um, everything's a, a fixed-price sale. We've been doing that now for, um, oh gosh, a little over a year, and they've been extremely successful we have dabbled a little bit in the whatnot platform um i may go back and revisit that at some point um but yes definitely expanding our our not only our sales uh because the sales are the lifeblood of of any shop and any business um but I just want to have content. I think I, I need to, my goal for this year is to really provide a little bit more and hopefully a lot more content. Just just be be a little bit more creative, be a little bit more uh, in your feed uh, and, and just talking about records, letting people know, let, let them kind of kind of stay on the forefront of their mind as a, in, instead of the back that hey we're here should you need something uh if it's as simple as just showing with the new releases every week we can do that i've been doing that now for yep. a few weeks we make those videos every friday morning um sometimes the stuff's not always in the reason i i uh, didn't start doing it earlier was because i was pretty upset that a lot a lot of the times we wouldn't have everything until friday those, G- those jits those just in times right right exactly so but one thing that i have figured out and uh, i've learned from uh just watching mike over at the end groove he makes those things religiously and consistently whether the stuff's there or it's not and you know what if it's not there it, it's not the end of the world people understand you know him and mike's just like a, uh at the time of this video i don't have the motley crew or i don't have the van halen one steps or whatever um and they, by the time you're watching this video um, they'll be in and you know and it it shouldn't stop me from ever making content and i that's my goal is to just create more content create a a little bit better um youtube presence because our social media presence outside of youtube i think like you said and i, I do appreciate the uh the compliment i think it's pretty strong Makes sense. So uh, we're, we're, we're almost at home plate here. No, we're good, man. I was gonna, I was going to ask you some of these lightning rounds, but I see over your shoulder. And I think this is going to be my fun question. I'm going to ask you. So, did you get the uh, the Van Halen one step? Is that what I'm seeing over there? Yeah, yeah, I got the one step today, and uh, I've only had a chance to listen to it one time. I had to go into work and do some work today, uh, and they showed up, so I I brought one home, and I've listened to it one time through, and uh, yeah. What what is the what is the appetizer? Is it is it is it what we've been waiting for, or or do you need more time with it to really make your sound opinion? 
I, I need a little bit more time, but I, but I think if it, just just from a first impression, it's amazing. Okay, because uh, our cause mutual friend of the show, uh, Melinda Murphy, uh, right. was first to market and talked about how great it was. And so I was a big knucklehead. I had this two order two year pre order yeah in for a long time, and I finally got I had enough. I got the oven mitt. And I'm like, you know what, Mobile Fidelity, I've had enough. I'm canceling my order. And now I'm hearing everybody say how great it is. So guess what? I'm probably going to end up doing. Well, well, just come over to the shop. We'll take care of you. Um, I will tell you, I did the same thing. I, we we had, I don't, twenty four of them on order. Twenty or twenty four of them, all of them on order. Then the whole DSD thing came. Oh up. yeah, yeah. Oh my gate. You know, remember because we all ordered our stuff before this all happened. Yes. And as a business owner, you have to take into consideration, will fallout from these guys affect me and my business? And I felt at the time, it may have been kind of a knee-jerk reaction, but I felt it was going to. So mm-hmm. I dropped my orders down to like six or 10 uh, from 20 or 24. Okay. And, uh, luckily, I went, normally I wouldn't be able to get anymore. I'd be like, Hey man, I ordered my 20. I'd be lucky to get those 20. But now I think it's like you said, you canceled so many, so many people probably canceled their order, but it's a fantastic piece. It's an amazing sounding piece. The sound stage is a mile wide. Um, it's almost too wide. I, 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 I didn't think I would ever say this. Sometimes you you get used to a little compression and a little squishy squash. You know everything everything's right here. Yeah. And I'm I was sitting in my sweet spot here, and I'm like, I kind of wish everything was a little bit more tight and focused and and concise. Instead, it's nice to hear it, but it's almost almost it's a four piece freaking band. This isn't a concert orchestra here. <laughs> band. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's it's really cool. It's awesome to hear it this way. Super clean, you know. the The super vinyl is is amazing. Um, it's it's dead quiet, and uh, I'm I can't wait to really listen to it uh, at a reasonable level. I first time I put it on, I cranked it, you know. <laughs> Crank it, uh, but I want to put it on at a reasonable level, and then I want to grab the uh, the uh, CD and just see. Uh, if my take on the separation uh, or the soundstage is is what I'm really hearing, or am I imagining it? So did, that, did, they, did they did they use the slim box like on Thriller? Yes. Okay. Uh, so I love the slim box. Uh, yeah, that's the way to go. Just because the hotel Hotel California Eagles uh, fiasco with all the boat boxes and uh, raise your hand if you got a boat box from. <laughs> oh <laughs> yes. Uh, but no, I love the the slimline box like they did with Thriller and uh, Springsteen. Uh, Springsteen, by the way, is so even though it's a thirty three single disc, holy smokes, it's amazing. Um, but when they and the and the Cannonball Adderley, something okay. else, slimline. I will say the two, the the double disc forty five RPMs and a slimline are pretty tight. Okay. You got to be extremely careful when you guys open these things, especially if you're one like myself, or I'm sure you you want to keep the shrink on it, so you're you're carefully cutting down the right, side, right, right, and open up the spine, and, and be extremely careful because you're going to do some damage. You could potentially do some damage to those jackets. 
if you're opening them yeah definitely well good to know billy and uh you know i appreciate taking this time to not only promote mobile fidelity's fine products <laughs> right <laughs> right no, i'm just giving you trouble no no and all sincerity i'm glad we could finally do this i know we've talked about it uh i think you hopefully will be on our kiss our third kiss show coming up here but um, I always like picking your brain. I, my wife knows whenever I go to Riverbend, obviously I'm going to be there for a while because I just love shooting a breeze with you and, and, and talking shop, talking to hobby. Um, so anyway, appreciate it, Billy. Thanks for coming out. We could talk another hour, honestly. But you know. I feel like I'm getting shortchanged. That I, I, maybe we just talked too long, but no lightning round? No, no, no. The, the lightning round is there, but I, I had to pivot because I, you know, I got to keep it tight. And I saw that Van Halen. I was like, you know, executive, say host, executive producer, great looking guy all these things come at me at once and i just have to manage them so so billy hurst for ben records 1218 will be the next facebook auction uh, live selling i'll have all the information to show notes you should really really check it out billy hurst thanks for joining thanks for having me buddy appreciate it and that was another trip around the turntable thanks for listening to vinyl community podcasts